0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Heart to Heart Podcast. I'm Bria
1: and I'm Kim and we are back with season
0: three and we're so excited.
1: I cannot wait. This season is going to be amazing and I think we took a very much needed break but it really gave us time to reflect on our content and curate some really really great episodes for you all that we honestly I'm so excited to drop these, and I think they're going to do a lot.
0: No, same. I mean, season three, our goal, you know, we're going to have more guests. We're going to have more provocative conversations. There's things that we have planned that I feel like no one is talking about. We have a great, like, four-part series that we want to drop just really getting into it, into, you know, how society engages with black women, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the over-sexualization of black women. Are we truly sexually liberated? We have a lot in store about that, but um, yeah, we're going to have a great season. Thank you all for your continued support. I mean, even when we're not posting episodes, we still feel the love and that's just so great and amazing. And we're so thankful,
1: but yeah. Yeah, we can't wait, Um, and as always, feel free to hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, which is new for us, so be sure to follow us on there, and always know that you can message us with any episode ideas that you may have, and as always, you can listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Yes, okay. Ready to get Uh, started? (laughs) I'm ready.
0: (laughs) So today's episode, as you can see by our colors, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Uh, We have on our little Valentine's Day colors, red and purple, and this episode is going to be unpacking the good guy narrative.
1: I think we just gotta let that
0: sit. Just let that sit for a second. Like, let that marinate for a second. Um, This is something that is so important, and we were like, this is the perfect time to drop this episode whether you're in a relationship or not right now, you probably have had an experience with a guy who claims to be such a good guy, who claims to be a nice guy. And, you know, a lot of times men feel as though they're doing so much to protect us. And this is women, black women, women in general, but obviously we're gonna kind of be honing in on black women Mm -hmm. because we are two black women, but take any message from this, whatever you are. Um, But basically, you know, men feel as though they're doing so much to protect us as women. When in reality, they might be the actual perpetrators or they're at least bystanders to the foolery that other men perpetrate, which is just as bad.
1: Yeah. And Bri and I have gotten a lot of messages, you know, especially from Black men asking what it takes to be a good guy or how do I help Black women? So if you've ever asked about this, this episode is for you. Tune
0: in. <laughs> Tap in, thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Listen closely because we're gonna unpack all of those things, all of those questions. um, And as Bria said, really get into us. Um, Also too, I wanna preface that Bria and I are not out to get men. We don't hate all men. We are saying this because this has real life implications on how women are treated, how black women especially are treated and protected. And so we're trying to bring this to the forefront. This is not meant to denigrate anybody, to attack people. This is real, this is real life stuff. And there's real life effects that come with this notion that women are protected and that there's all of these men here to protect us. So we're gonna just unpack that. And I just want to preface that. Thank you for that disclaimer because people can get a little touchy about that, you know?
0: And Mm -hmm. I think that we're just simply answering the question that we get asked, you know? Like, what does it mean to be a good guy? How do we protect black women? We're here to tell you that. And we're here to give you the honest truth. Mm -hmm. And so we thought the best way to start this was with a great comparison. Mm -hmm. Kimberly, please take it away with this comparison you found. It sums it all up.
1: Okay. So this quote is taken from Robin DiAngelo, who is the author author of White Privilege, which is a book that many of you probably heard about. And it was circulating all across the internet over the summer. So this quotation is specifically about white progressives, but I want y'all to put this in the context of this equating to the situation of black men and black women. It's an analogy. Yes. So this is the quote. I believe that white progressives cause the most daily damage to people of color. I define a white progressive as any white person who thinks he or she is not racist, or is less racist, or in the choir, or already gets it. White progressives can be the most difficult for people of color, because to the degree that we think we have arrived, we will put our energy into making sure that others see us as having arrived. None of our energy will go into what we need to be doing for the rest of our lives, engaging in ongoing self-awareness, continuing education, relationship building, and actual anti-racist practices. White progressives do indeed uphold and perpetuate racism, but our defensiveness and certitude make it virtually impossible to explain to us how we do so. So if we take this quote, and we literally just insert, I mean, like, copy, paste, right, copy, paste, and think about good guys, or people who claim themselves as good guys, feminists, like men who claim they're feminists, or protecting women,
0: Mm -hmm. like, it's basically saying, if we transfer this to the idea of men and women, like, they, people believe that they ascribe to this belief that because they're saying they're a good guy, it's like an ego thing getting in the way of them actually doing the work to protect black women. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you are so caught up in saying and making people believe that you are a good guy, it prevents you from actually using that energy to do the work to actually protect women.
1: Right. and you think you've learned all there is to learn about supporting women, especially black women. And so when you give yourself this title, when you, yourself in this good guy or uh, essence. And that is your whole entire, like, mm-hmm. presence and whatever. It shades you from being able to see your own wrongs and where you perpetuated harm yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's destructive.
0: Yeah. And you know, the first step to being a good ally is self-critiquing, you know? And so if you put up a wall of being like, that's not me, all the people they're talking about, you know, And I think this analogy does a great job because, you know, a lot of Black men can understand like the white-Black dynamic and like that, you know, activism ally dynamic and can call out when people are just being performative in that sense. But when you transfer it to Black men versus Black women, it's hard for them to self-critique like they want white activists to do, you know? So I think that's exactly why we chose this analogy is to anchor that, like, you can see it when other people are doing it, but make sure you take a look, look at yourself when you're being performative
1: as well. Right, right. And don't, you know, be so quick to claim that, you know, you're the best ally and that you've done all you need to do. You know, there are great guys out there who are actually feminists, who are, are actually putting in the work, but they're not screaming from the rooftops that- They're just doing it. They're just yeah, doing it. They're, just doing and doing- they're
0: actually in the trenches doing the work you don't have time to tell people that you're a good guy. People just see it ooze off of you. But if you have to constantly say it, I mean, that goes for anything. The loudest people in the room are usually, like, the least confident or the people who are doing the least, you know? They're trying to make up for the void by saying it and filling the void with speech. People, we want to see action. And I think that that's, that's just the biggest answer, you know, to the question that we get of how do we protect Black women. Just do do stuff, take action. Like when you're in the room with guys making jokes that perpetuate rape culture, are you laughing? Are you silent? Or are you actually saying, don't say that, that is harmful, that's disgusting. Right. Like what are what's going on? I think it's a lot of pivotal moments on the ground where men, you may know something's wrong, but you don't want to disrupt the status quo
1: And that's really harmful. It is. And I remember on Twitter recently, I saw, you know, there's a lot of women who have been sexually assaulted and not a lot of men who are like, yeah, those are my friends. You know what I mean? It's this refusal to look at our inner circle and it's this refusal to speak up and being complicit is just as dangerous. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think we should unpack a little bit more like why these good guys aren't really stepping up. You know, I think they're really scared, as you said, to disrupt the status quo, because this will inherently unseat them in their patriarchal positions. When we actually support women and make women equal, that that takes away some of, you know, male privilege, male power. And I think that's a sacrifice that you have to be willing to make if you're going to claim that you are an ally and that you are here to support women. Definitely.
0: You know, and also, I think men. Are afraid to disrupt the status quo in that sense and like stand up for women because men like I think the men who might be claiming they're good, uh kind of like to be surrounded by people who are lesser. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, when girls come to the group, it's like, well, I'm the good one, like, yeah, I know all my friends are crappy, but like I'm the good one, like I'll treat you right, like so they can elevate themselves. But if everyone was elevated, if everyone was just like an actual good guy. They probably feel like, well, I don't have anything special about me, you know? So it kind of benefits the people if other people are below them.
1: Right. And, you know, it also is just the bar is so low. Mm -hmm. Like, so many times when people are like, oh my gosh, he's such a good guy. He walked me home or (laughs) other things like that, that is the bare minimum. And when you call that out and you say, no, you've (laughs) just done the bare minimum, people get mad. But that's harmful. I don't want the bare minimum to be the standard for exactly. how to protect women. How is that helping us? How is that undoing structural gendered harm? It's not. it's not, the reality is it's not. And we have to raise our expectations and our standards of what we expect from, you know, good guys mm-hmm. and just men in general, because if we don't do that, then, you know, it's not helping us and there's going to continue to be dangerous repercussions. And, There's very much real implications, as we mentioned in the beginning, for Black women. You know, having a group of people who cloak themselves and code themselves as good guys, but then really aren't pushing the boundaries and, you know, fighting for the structural changes is just another group of people who hurt us, who oppress us, who don't protect us. And it's even worse because you claim to do so. So people think that there is a group doing this work. There are people in the trenches fighting with us, but in reality, we still have a very limited network of allies. And that's scary. I think that's really, really, really scary. It's scary, it is scary.
0: Yeah, like you said, you know, if people are out here claiming that they're on our side but actually aren't doing the work, that almost absolves other people. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, someone got them, so I'm not gonna jump in. But in reality, those people claiming that they have us don't have us. But, you know, going back to your point about uh, the bar being low, And like the bare minimum being exalted as like the standard, I think that we have to stop coddling men, and that's probably gonna make a lot of people people angry. People are like, "What are you talking about? We don't coddle men." Yeah, we we do. do. We do do because you know by letting the bare minimum and we pretending the bare minimum is like the standard, that's coddling you all. It's not pushing you to. Do more and go above and beyond. I think that's another reason why men don't want to disrupt the status quo, because if they do, they'll have to do more work. Mm-hmm. And right now they have it kind of easy in terms of how what they, you know, need to do to treat a woman well right. and be considered a good guy. The bar is low right now. If we actually started pressing men and, you know, holding them accountable, the amount of work they'd have to do would
1: rise exponentially. I don't think a lot of people actually want that. No, it is hard, also too, because even just within the Black community, the Civil Rights Movement, all these major movements have been with have been led by male leaders, Mm -hmm. and that has been the expectation. And you know, Bree and I talk all the time about the Black Lives Matter movement and talk about the need for the Say Her Name movement. It's a perfect example of how the status quo is not looping women in, and the harm that does happen to Black women not being held up on the same exact you know national yeah, level that's what's going on to black men and that's not to take away and say that they're not going through it obviously they are obviously we all know this but when you have like decentered the lens away from women and just put men at the top it creates that need this this idea that you know men deserve all this attention we need to protect them more than we need to protect our women there's so many more things happening to our men But in reality, it's just different forms of harm. uh, It's different forms of harm. Mm -hmm. People don't understand the amount of sexual violence that Black women experience. Mm -hmm. Like, that is something that we just don't see. That is something that happened during the Civil Rights Movement, during Jim Crow, etc. But that was just never talked about. Mm -hmm. They lynched a lot of Black men, but a lot of Black women were, you know, raped. Literally pulled off the streets in some cases and, like, raped. You know, And it's not
0: saying that. Obviously, like the issues Black men face are so incredibly important, but it's just that the fact that Black women don't get that same mainstream attention. Mm-hmm. So then, subconsciously, all of our attention is given to protecting Black men yes. and making sure that they're cared for. Yes. When in reality, Black women need that exact same attention, and we're just not getting that.
1: Yeah. And so I think all these
0: things coming down and harming us subconsciously, you know, just, mm-hmm. just by how things are skewed in the media you know
1: exactly and I think this is what we're we're talking about when we say this is the culture of coddling mm-hmm. that has formed and that has normalized all of this and this is why the bar to help women has been set so incredibly low and then when you try to raise the bar people are all of a sudden mad or people think you know you are you men or something right and so everything that we are talking about in all this historical context that we just threw is to underscore how this culture of coddling has been formed.
0: Yeah, and this isn't out of hatred and like like you know when we do start raising the bar people take that as an attack on black men when in reality it's the complete opposite and it's out of love. When you love someone you want them to do better.
1: I and mean, you know they can do better.
0: Exactly, you know they're capable of doing better. That's why we're that's why we're pressing for the bar to be raised it's not because we hate you it's because we love you
1: and also too i think in raising the bar and telling people hold on a second because what you're doing isn't working you shouldn't be offended by that mm-hmm. you should be these are the people who are experiencing the harm telling you how they need you <sighs> telling you how they need you and so i need you to listen because if you truly do want to help us that shouldn't be an issue That shouldn't be an issue. If the strategy or the tactic has to change, then there should be no qualms about that. Okay, but also, is this not the same thing that black people as a collective
0: tell white people? So I'm confused then where the disconnect is when black women tell black men what they need from them. Mm -hmm. And then also, like, even the simple thing of like asking black women. Like how to help them. It's like how can we be the architects of our own salvation? Mm-hmm. And it it's the same exact thing of how Black people tell White people, stop asking us how to be saved. Do it. Like there's things that you could literally do that you don't need anyone to tell you. You oh, know. And it's like
1: weird. yeah. And it's like
0: Black men like are in that group of being like, well, don't put the emotional labor on us when you know you're trying to be anti-racist. Don't put the emotional labor on Black women when we're telling you, you know, how not to like be misogynistic. Mm-hmm. It's I just see. the same principles, and no one is like putting two and two together.
1: I just want to say that you know how can we be the architect- architects of our salvation is a perfect way to summarize this issue, and I think this also shows that this is a form of deflection. Mm -hmm. By asking the people who are oppressed or harmed, what can we do for you? You know. You know. You know. Like, it's clear there's so many things that are going on. And again, I think all of these issues exist on both an institutional and an interpersonal level.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And what we said before about people not wanting to rock the boat, wanting to stay safe within their social networks and their social circles, that is the interpersonal Uh, that those are the interpersonal practices that breed and continue misogynoir and disrespect against black women. When you don't check your friends, when you don't check the people that are around you and you sit complicit. But then again, this elevates to a higher degree because guess what? If black women overall are not protected because these nice guys and these other actors aren't helping them, this leaves us open to other people who are actively trying to hurt us. You know, and the statistics prove it, like the amount of black girls that are part are trafficked, you know, the amount of black girls that are going to prison. Black girls are currently the fastest growing prison population, Mm -hmm. you know, real life implications when black women aren't protected and we refuse to do so and people refuse to acknowledge where they went wrong. Yeah. So, again, this is real. This is not us just being mad at certain people or whatever. This is systemic and this is real. It's real. And uh, that
0: point, I just want to highlight that point again. Like, you know exactly how you can help. Also, even if you didn't know, there's enough people who have laid out the steps that you need to be taking to help. Mm -hmm. So why do you keep asking the same question? Google the answers, read some books, find the answers. And also there's just certain things that you know are wrong. You know when you're in the presence of foolery. So I like you know when you need to speak up and not be a bystander
1: mm-hmm.
0: and be complicit. And it's the same thing, tying it back to the analogy, you know, between black people and white people, or black people and non-black people who are trying to be activists. Like that quote that always floats around every protest of if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you side with the oppressor. Take that quote apply it to yourself Mm -hmm. it's the same concept if you're claiming to be a good good guy but you're neutral when stuff goes down you're siding with the bad guys Mm -hmm. it's as simple as that
1: it it really is it really is and you have to take accountability at some point like that's just what it comes down to you know the whole deflection and what can i do it just perpetuates the idea, I don't know better, so I can't do better. Yes. But, but you do know better. You do know better. And also too, if anything else, sit back and elevate Black women's voices. Sit back and actually listen to what Black women are saying. Because if you did that in your interpersonal lives, if you actually took the time to go and look at Black female intellectuals, Black women scholars, etc. cetera, there's so much you would learn from them. Mm -hmm. There's so much, and you wouldn't have these questions of what can I do? I don't even want to entertain that question because I just know that you know how to do something. And again, like nobody is asking you to single-handedly figure out how to end the Sajibar. But again, there's just so many different levels in which you can have an impact, in which you can make your voice heard. And there's so many ways that you can just be an ally There's so many ways that you can give money to black women who are doing this work, who are expending so much emotional and so like labor on this stuff. There's so many ways you can support them. And to act like there's not or to act like this is such a crazy thing and I can't figure it out is really sad. And it's (laughs) honestly pathetic because the resources are there. Like, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I hope I don't sound too whatever, but. Sound however
0: you want. I mean, we could be we could be angry about this because it's frustrating.
1: It is, and I mean, how long is this going to happen? How long are people going to act like real change and real work so hard? Aw,
0: <laughs> like it's not that it's it's not that hard. If I get another question about this, I'm just going to send people the link to this episode. I urge you all to do the same. Mm -hmm. If people ask you questions, if you're really serious about doing the work, you'll find the answers. I agree. You'll find the answers, you know, and enough stuff is out there that you don't have to like burden people in your life about how to save them.
1: This isn't to say that we can't applaud people for the work that they do and the gains that they make. But again, let's look at what we're applauding people for and how low that bar is. I just need everyone to realize that because there's also non-men who support men in the effort of keeping the bar super low and praising them for that. So
0: a lot of pick out there. Shout out all the pick me's who
1: people might yeah. not know what that is. Do you, to, do you want to explain?
0: If pick me is a woman who puts other women down mm-hmm. in hopes of getting chosen by a man mm-hmm. and validated by a man. And there's a lot of those women who are out there who, I mean, they kind of also perpetuate the bare minimum standard because they accept men
1: at their lowest. And praise them for that.
0: And praise them for that just so they can feel
1: accepted by men. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. Yeah. So I think on many sides, there's work to be done. Yeah. That's just the summary of all of that. I think men and women, and however you identify, everyone
0: alike needs to kind of step back and look at what they're accepting for themselves and look at what they're accepting from them
1: mm-hmm. happy valentine's day <laughs> happy valentine's day you know again i think this just hopefully gives you a better perspective on how you kind of look to any kind of partner mm-hmm. you know what what is your partner doing to support other people Especially people that are, you know, more oppressed.
0: Yeah. Also, just, you know, a quick thing if you are in a relationship on Valentine's Day right now, um, look at your partner. Because also, a lot of times, if you're in a relationship with a guy, he might be great to you, but that doesn't mean he is a feminist or that he treats women well, you know? He might just treat you well because he's getting something from the relationship. But look at how he treats his you know, just other females in his life. Does he speak over women in class? You know, mm-hmm. is he treating people on the street nicely? Like, look at how he talks, look at how he retweets stuff, what he's liking. Just let's let's force people to do better even if you love especially if you love them. Not even if you love them, especially if you love them.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's such a valid point because that's another way in which we all become jaded. Mm-hmm. Is you, you know good to you but not holding the people closest to you accountable. So that, that is key. That is definitely key.
0: Wow. I am so happy we did this episode because this is just something that people always ask us about. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time that people. It was time. It was time that people can just come to this episode and listen and hear all our thoughts. There's mm-hmm. things that you can do to help Black women, and you know what those things are. I think it's just a matter of putting them into motion and actually doing them.
1: I agree. Thank you all so much for listening. We are so excited to be back. This felt so good.
0: And just so you know, if you listen to this, you know, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, we are also now going to be recording every episode uh, so you can see our faces and our reactions and our laughter. As (laughs) to the experience. It's a certain, try to say (laughs) qual. But we will
1: see you all next week. Happy Valentine's Day and we'll see you soon. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. Bye everyone.